Welcome, Wildcats, to Season 3. All There it is. That's all of them. Season 3 of Weber State Weekly. I am your host, Colby Peterson. We are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And folks, we're so happy to be back with you talking Wildcat sports. It's been a long summer since the last time we talked in May. Wildcats with a crushing defeat in the NCAA tournament uh, up in Seattle. But now uh, we've turned the page and we're on to the the 2022-2023 season, and so we're talking football, man. And so joining me tonight, talk a little football, returning panelist, and uh, in some new digs, Sean Lewis. Sean, how are you doing, man? How's the move? I, I'm doing all right. We're not in new digs yet. That comes in October, so we're still in the... Uh, it, I'm, I'm actually in Ogden tonight, uh, surprisingly, nice. but we'll be moving to uh, central Utah in, in uh, October. We'll be excited for that uh, Way excited for the permanent Christmas lights that'll be purple and white on Wildcat game days uh, in the new in the new digs. I need to do that out here in Tennessee. I got to do that. Yeah. Uh, so welcome back, Sean. Glad to have you. And then also we have a new face. You want to introduce Wildcat fans to? Uh, I mean, if you've been at the tailgates, you've seen Chris around, but this is his first appearance on Weber State Weekly. Chris Ferry joining the show tonight. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. Good. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited to do this and. Uh, Talk some Weber State football. Yeah, man. So uh, if you haven't been going to the tailgates and talking football with the folks out there, uh, you're missing out on a good opportunity. And um, shame on you because uh, I miss that opportunity an awful lot. So get out there and hang out with guys like Chris and Jared who are making the tailgate scene happen. But guys, let's... Uh, we try. <laughs> yeah, well, you do a good job. I so let's talk about what's going on on today's show. So we're going to be the schedule preview. Uh, some things have changed. We originally thought we were going to play James Madison, and now we're not. So we're going to talk a little bit about the schedule and kind of what the Wildcats will be facing. Uh, then we're going to go over the roster. Um, lost a lot of really good senior talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball last year. So we're going to talk about how things look and kind of the way that we, uh, so maybe some, some areas where we're going to be watching in the coming weeks to see how they, how they play. And then I've got a game for our panel tonight. We're going to be playing a game called Gabby Like Whoa. And I'll explain what that's all about as soon as we get there. But before we get into all the show, I want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the show, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, find us on Google, all good places to get Weber State Weekly in your ears. We're also on social media. We're going to be doing a lot more stuff on social media this year. Grow those channels and get more Wildcat content onto your phones and not just into your ears. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, all good places to interact with us, especially on game day. We're going to be uh, probably doing some Twitter spaces this season as well, doing some watch parties for some away games and just doing our best to interact with Weber State Weekly fans and Wildcat fans, wherever they may be. And then we all also got a Patreon. want to thank our supporters last season for supporting us and helping us through to get to this point. So if you want to become a patron, want to support Weber State Weekly, Go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly, become a donor, become a pledge, a patron, and uh, support the work that we do. Hopefully we can raise enough money to hire some student workers and uh, start producing more content, giving them an opportunity to cover the Wildcats and give you all the, help you know all the things that you want to know about Weber State. So now that we've gotten through all of that business, fellas, let's, uh, let's start with the schedule preview. Um, as I said at the top, JMU, James Madison, um, not, I'm not going to call him a rival because we haven't beat him, but um, hated foe, haven't been able to get over the hump on those guys. They ended up going up to the FBS level after last season. And so with that, um, they canceled the game with us, which 
I don't know, guys. Uh, tender mercy. I mean, how were you guys feeling about going down to Harrisonburg and potentially getting another L? So I, I think it, it's a sad because there's. I think there's more than ten fans that were going to make that trip, um, and and that game was kind of a blow. Yeah, I'm I'm indifferent about playing them or not. I don't I don't think we gain anything by going down there and losing. Not that we would have lost. We don't know what they're what type of team they're going to have this year. They're going up to FBS a year early. Uh, I I think that uh, it is what it is. They canceled it in plenty of time. We got Western Oregon on the schedule instead, and and you know it just. You play the schedule in front of you. We can't play what if games. We can't say you know coulda, shoulda, woulda. It, 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 you know you 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 can only play the hand you're dealt, and and they're not in our deck anymore. I mean that's facts. They're not in the deck anymore. That's actually a good point, Sean. Like, going to DC is actually really cheap from Nashville, so I would have actually made that trip, even though we probably wouldn't have won. But it is what it is. I don't, know. Chris. What are your thoughts on losing the JMU game and now replacing uh, it Division Two Western Oregon? Yeah, I thought it was kind of a bummer because I was actually uh, hoping to make it back there. That's just a cool area, part of the country, you know, and go to D.C. and all that. And with that recent history we've had with JMU, that was uh, one I was looking forward to. I was a little discouraged that JMU, you know, dropped that game kind of so late in the game. It made it a little bit tough for Weber to come up with a game. Um, I know that there was some effort made to get another FCS game. Didn't work out. It's tough that late in the game. So we ended up with uh, <clears throat> Western Oregon. Um, but the benefit to that is we get six home games. We haven't had six home games, regular season games, uh, in quite a while at home. So, uh, so that's an added benefit for that game. Yeah, guys, so like you said, couldn't get – couldn't get an FCS game, ended up being a D2 game. Okay. Um, the last time they had a D2 game was the 2018 season against um, Western Montana. Is that right? Off the top of my head, I don't know. Uh, but, but, I mean, that... It's been a while. Yeah, I, that ended up playing a role, I think, in, um, in when it came playoff time. And so my question to you guys is, I mean, Wildcats coming in with the fifth toughest schedule in the country this year. I mean, this is a gauntlet, guys. Like, this is going to be a very difficult schedule this year. Um, do you think the D2 game hurts them if they're in a no. position to be in the playoffs? No, not at all. No? No, because, look, there's two things that are going to happen, right? You either are conference champions, you get the automatic bid, and then it doesn't hurt you at all, right? And if you're not conference champions, you're not getting the automatic bid, then how did we do against one of the, the two toughest conferences, SES conferences in the country, right? If, if we're good enough to go to the playoffs, if you're finishing top three or four in the big sky, and I really think the big sky should be getting four teams in, if you're finishing in that top four, you, you've gone up against the gauntlet. As long as you're showing respectable scores in that, the preseason doesn't hurt you. First two games, you're not going to hold Western Oregon against the Wildcats, just like you're not going to hold the game against Utah State. Now, I don't think it's going to be 77 to 7 in Logan like it was the last time we went there. Um, but I, I really, you're not going to have those two games hurt against you in the playoff sitting of this. What did you do in the Big Sky Conference? It, it's it's but win and you're in right that's that's the beauty of the playoff is win and you're in and you and you don't have to worry about it we control our own destiny right now with 12 games left 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a good point because I think that you're probably right, both of you, that if the Wildcats are in a position to be in the playoffs at the end of the season, because like we said, this is a tough schedule. There are some really key things that are going to be happening on the, on the field that we're going to have to watch as the season unfolds. But if they're in that position and they have put up, like Sean has said, respectable scores and also have enough wins to qualify to be in, um, I think you're probably right. A D2 game at the beginning of the season, especially when you had scheduled JMU, um, they're probably not going to hold that against you because it's a tough schedule. It's not very soft. Like It's pretty tough. Now, so, the huge asterisk on that, Colby, is don't lose, right? Well, exactly. If you lose to Western Oregon, that hurts you. But, <laughs> but you, you, you take care of business against them, you'll be fine. I, I, I don't, I mean, no, respect, no disrespect to Western Oregon, but I just don't think that the Wildcats are going to lose to them. I just don't. And Michigan yeah, and Oregon, to App State. <laughs> but from what I, I, I don't know a lot about Western Oregon, but from what I do know, they're not even really that great of a D2 program. So, so there won't be any problem winning that game for sure. Um, as far as whether that helps or hurts switching those games out, um, it definitely doesn't help, but I think, like you said earlier, Kobe, JMU was, was a likely loss anyway. So the question is, is that, does a win over to a D2, does that play any more of a factor than a loss to an FCS? It's probably a push, to be honest, when it comes to playoff, uh, you know, playoff time when they're picking those teams. Big Sky's going to get five teams, most likely. Okay. Outside shot of six, maybe. I mean, I mean, you're looking at well, we had five last year, correct? Yeah, I believe it was five. Yeah. Um, tough. It, it's a tough schedule without JMU, so that kind of softens that schedule a little bit, which is not a bad thing. You do lose that uh, kind of look, that mentality that people see. We'll go anywhere, play anybody. You know. Because those that aren't in the know why JMU's not on the schedule anymore are going to look at Western Oregon as opposed to JMU, and, and you don't get that, well, we'll go play anybody anywhere feel to it. So you, you kind of lose that, but it is what it is. Yeah, so another, another thing to this. But Chris, just... and I, I'm sorry, Colby, but Chris, how many people is that really? It's the, it's the, it's the group in our Wildcat fans page, right? But 6,000 people showing up to Stewart Stadium on that Saturday are not going to have any clue that we were supposed to be at, at JMU that week. Right? Yeah, true. That's just the nature. Unfortunately, that's the nature of the, the fan base right now. Yeah. There's a game. Not that. Yeah. Coming up to Stewart Stadium. The weather's nice. But, right. Tailgate. But I do love that we get an extra home game, an extra chance to tailgate. and. And be under the light, or well, yeah, under the lights, and uh, yeah. So that, yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. So, guys, moving this conversation on a little bit, talking about the 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 this difficulty of this schedule this year, fifth toughest schedule, like I said earlier, in the country this year, um, according to Massey ratings. Like, we're breaking in a new offense. How do you think that that is going to play? Because you've got this new offense now, new offensive coordinator. Um, Plus, you've got a very difficult schedule, and I think we can all agree that the Big Sky has become a very defensive league. So, how's that going to play? What are your thoughts on that? 
Go ahead, Chris. Well, yeah, it's it's a tough schedule. That I mean, just looking at the the conference schedule, we play um, what all the the top six teams yes. outside of Weber. You know, um, it's probably probably the most difficult uh, conference schedule that of any teams. Um, just uh, win your conference games. Um, you're probably going to go two and one in, in the most likely uh, out of conference. Um, so, yeah, the other question, you know, what was your other question there? Yeah, the breaking in of the new offense, right? Oh, yeah. So that's, that's exciting as a fan, but there's a lot of unknowns there, you know. Sure. Uh, I, Going back to that that uh, first to get that Western Oregon game, you know, that's gonna um, that's probably another benefit of that game. You're breaking in a new offense, breaking again in against a D two team. So I don't know if we'll see the full playbook that game, but it's gonna give us a taste of uh, what we might uh, be able to expect uh, from that offense. You know, I to that point, Chris. I like the uh, the Western Oregon matchup just for that that reason. You you do have a a, a new offensive coordinator and, and coach Mental, and and you've got a, a chance to go out and see what the team can do against some lesser competition and and admittedly lesser competition. But imagine, you know, do we really still have a quarterback controversy? Do we know who who day one starter is going to be? Um, and, and do we know if that's, you know, for the last three years, we've been playing musical quarterbacks and, and going up against JMU that to me, that would have hurt us more than just about anything. And, and having a chance against Western Oregon to, uh, to maybe see who the, who runs the offense a little bit better in that, in that type of situation may give us a a clue. You're going to see, but I, I don't know who's starting on day one. Unless I just haven't read uh, Brett's reporting on that. Yeah, so uh, according to Brett Hine at the Standard Examiner, his reporting, he's been going up to camp this fall and talking to coaches afterwards. And uh, it looks like, I think I read a couple of articles ago, that it it looks like Bronson Barron will once again be QB1. um, And then it will just sort of flow from there. Um, One thing that has me sort of hopeful is that from what Brett has reported, the offense is much more up-tempo. It's more about getting the ball out of the pocket. I think one of the problems that we had in the past couple of seasons is that very often the ball would be held onto for too long and it would create a lot of opportunities for the quarterback to be sacked because they were looking, 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 couldn't find something, and then they're left to scramble and the quarterbacks weren't necessarily ready to do that kind of scrambling, you know, we know Stefan Cantwell out there. So then you get sacked. Um, from what Brett has reported, it's not the case in mental's new system that they are very much getting the ball out quickly. And I'll believe it when I see it, Colby. Like, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, right. Like, well, okay. How, how fast is fast, but if the ball is getting out fast and we have the opportunity then to see the wide receivers do their work with yak. Cool, man. Let's, let's just, see what uh what can happen yeah i have heard that up tempo getting the ball quick getting the ball out there quick uh also here balanced attack 
we got some studs in that you know running back room. Yes, sir. And so they're they're going to be used a lot. You know, everything I hear that that offense is supposed to be balanced, so uh, up tempo, but you're going to see equal passing, running, whatever you know the defense is giving you. And uh, with those running backs, they're definitely going to use them. They're going to. So, so, guys, moving along a little bit, talking more about the schedule in depth. Uh, the way I see it, there, there are maybe like three 50-50 games. You know, I'm not really sure what to expect. Could go either way. I see those as UC Davis, Eastern Washington, and Portland State. Um, you're going to say, Portland State, Colby? Come on, man. It's like, I know Davis Alexander <laughs> isn't, is not at Portland State any longer, so... Hopefully there's an opportunity. The Wildcats do have to face the Vikings on the road in Portland or El Hillsboro. But, uh, but I, I'm right there with you, Colby. I, I think Portland State is a toss-up. I, I think that's a, a tough matchup because you, you're look, you may be looking ahead to Montana State the next week. Um, that, that could be a trap game for the Wildcats. Going on the road uh, two weeks in a row, that's a, I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I, like I, I think it's a... I think it's a toss-up because <laughs> just simply look what they did last year. Um, they beat us at, at Stewart Stadium. And Davis Alexander had a lot to do with that, and he's gone. But yeah. but uh, and, and Portland State won that game. I mean, it's not a game where you could say, well, Weber should have won that game. No, Portland State won that game. That was a team that Weber shouldn't have lost to, but they they came in there and they won that game. They earned that game. So so just a, the fact of based on last year, I would call that game a toss-up as well. Um, I don't think Portland State has – I don't think going on the road is a big thing because I don't think Portland State really has that much of a home advantage there. In fact, what, I think they only – they went 3-2 uh, and two at home last year, and they don't draw a lot of, a lot of people out to those games. So I, I'm not concerned about it being on the road. But, yeah, I would throw that in there with you, Kobe. Is probably as a toss-up. Yeah, it depends on if Barney's buying beers again or not, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but as for the other two, I mean, Davis is going to be on the road. Davis was able to edge the Wildcats last season uh, in the in the final minutes of the of the fourth quarter. You know, it was a gut wrenching loss that sort of began this cascade of home losses. Um, you know, compounded by the JMU loss on on TV you know a, a week or two before that so the davis game is going to be an interesting one normally jay hill does a good job against that squad against dan hawkins but um they got over the hump last year wildcats will be on the road for that one and davis does draw well right like they get they have quite a yeah. fan base and then eastern and in ogden i just don't know man like um they obviously don't have a walter payton award winner and eric barrier any longer and so what does it mean i think though that it, we can always expect an Aaron Best coached offense to be productive, but Jay Hill has also been able to ground the Eastern defense or Eastern offense in a lot of cases. And I mean, they ran all over Eastern in Cheney last year. I mean, that was the Chris Jackson game, right? So the running back room is just as stellar this year leads me to believe that the Wildcats can win, but you never know with a team like Eastern. They are tricky, and they may have something up their sleeve. So here's, here's where I see this, this playing out. I mean, you, the, the biggest thing for the Wildcats is we've got to, they, they've got to establish Stewart Stadium as a fortress again. Uh, yeah. Going 
one one and three or one and four last year at home. They lost all four except the last one against Northern Colorado. Yeah. Um, I, that was a poor showing at, at home for the Wildcats, and they've got to reestablish that that you don't just come in and beat the Wildcats in Ogden, right? Um, if you and you and you start that, you've got Western Oregon. You're in the you're on the road to Logan. Um, you've got uh, Utah Tech. Um, I, I I don't want to call it the old name, but I, <laughs> I think Utah Tech is still the stupidest name in college in, in Utah colleges. Um, but uh, um, reminds me of the old ITT tech that just got busted by the feds. Um, so, so the 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 three game stretch that that is really going to tell the season is, is against the big sky's best. In three weeks in a row, you've got Montana State, Montana, Montana State on the road, Montana at home, and then Sac State at home. Sac State, who claims to have like sixteen straight Big Sky titles, even though they didn't win it consecutive <laughs> consecutively, I don't think they understand the word how back to back works. Back to back doesn't work like that. <laughs> no, it does not work like that. You didn't play. But, we played. But, you didn't play. But the fact is, they're still going to be a tough team, right? No, and and, they, and and they're better on the road with that. That team. yeah, that's a team that went to Missoula last season and beat the Grizz. Now, of course, the Grizz were a little bit down at the time. But SAC plays better on the road than they do in Sacramento. And the conference Troy Taylor, office. Troy did, Taylor has not lost a, an FCS road game yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, the conference office did the Wildcats no favors by putting Montana State, Montana, and SAC State three in a row against the Wildcats. I'd I, I challenge that no team has that kind of gauntlet three games in a row in the entire conference. Now, I don't know everybody's schedule off the top of my head. But but I think that's the toughest three game stretch. And and if if you're two and one after those three games, you know pick pick your two. I think you're golden. If you're zero and three after those games, kiss the playoffs goodbye. Well, and, and that's that's the position that I took. You know, putting the rundown together for you guys. You know, was that those three weeks are probably going to be the season because even no matter what has happened up to that point. If the Wildcats are able to right the ship and beat some of those teams, that's going to bode well when it comes playoff time. If they are not able to beat those teams, like you said, Sean, be another year not in the playoffs, and they'll have to get ready for next season. Because coming out of that 0-3, yes, they are tough teams. Yes, they are probably playoff teams. But you need quality wins if you're losing elsewhere to convince the committee that you should be in there. And if you don't have those quality wins, somebody else probably does. Yeah, I completely talk, agree with that. Right. You talk about 50-50 games, and you, and you mentioned the three. Um, but quite honestly, I would throw every Big Sky game other than Idaho State in there as a 50-50 game. That's how tough that this conference is, and that's how tough that schedule that Weber has is so uh, yeah it's going to be it's going to be a gauntlet like you said but I think uh, saying that you know I, I call them 50-50 games because I think they can win any one of those games any one of those conference games just as, but they could you know also obviously lose every one of those uh, Idaho State that's going to be a win but other than that I think you'd call every one of the rest of those conference games a 50-50 game. Here, here's the question, I'd, and, and I'll put this as an over-under. Over-under, how many losses for the Big Sky champion this year? 
because I don't think anybody's going running the table. No. Right. So, so if I put an over under at one and a half, I'm taking the over. You're taking the over. What if you put it at two and a half? Conference record, though, right? We're saying conference conference record. Two and two and a half losses. Two and a half. I I might take the under. I like two losses. I think the conference champion will have two losses. And I tend to agree with you there, Colby. I just I think that's going to be the tell because I think every team in the Big Sky has some vulnerabilities that could take them and they're going to, they're going to get tripped up. Somebody's going to lose to Idaho state that shouldn't lose to Idaho state. Somebody's going to lose to a green team that shouldn't lose to a green team. Do not lose right? to the green teams guys. Hey, so, bring it back, so Sean. somebody wise on this show said that once. So that's, that's the thing is, is this, this conference is so tough that, that, I don't think you're going to have anybody run the table. One loss is going to be tough. If you have somebody with one loss at the end of this, they should write their ticket to Frisco right away because that's, that's going to be tough. I don't think it's going to happen. And, and so two losses is the number. And where do those two losses come from? And, it, and it's who's going to be able to, to keep up with that as Chris is getting some crumble or something delivered right now. Yeah, there's my dog. My dog alarm. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you know last year Sacramento State went undefeated in the conference. They had a favorable schedule, but and they won it outright. That doesn't happen very often. I'm just going back a little bit. 2019, two there were two teams, including Weaver, with just one loss. 2018, uh, you've got the three teams with one loss. So, you know, I think it's very, very, I think it's quite like in 2017, you got two teams with one loss. I think, I think you're, you're going to see a team. It wouldn't surprise me if you see a team with, with one loss. An undefeated team, I, you know, I wouldn't count on that for sure. But, but uh, I, don't, I don't think the undefeated thing's going to happen. But no, where I felt comfortable. Yeah, I'd take the under at one and a half, though. I think, I think you'll see a, a, a a one loss team just based on the history. It's uh, guys, level of questions here before we wrap up this segment and move on a little bit about the roster. Um, I wanted to bring up the melee in the mountains, the game against NAU. The game will be up in Flagstaff. It's up because they are actually higher than Ogden. They're at 6,300 feet up there. And um, it, it's always weird up there, man. Weird things happen with the football up there. Got some weird games <laughs> in the walk-up Sky Dome. And uh, this is the final game of the season. It's a rivalry game, I think. I think that, you know, with SUU leaving the conference, I think that NAU is, especially in football, the way things have gone, I think that NAU is a very serviceable rival within this conference. Right now, it's tied. 27-27 all time. And so, and if you remember the last time we faced Northern Arizona, was the Hale Malone. Beat them at the last play of the game. Probably we're going to lose by one. Throw the ball up in the air. Come down with it and get the dub. I mean, they're going to remember that. And so, I don't know. What do you guys think of that game? Is that game, is the melee in the mountains a real rivalry? Or am I up in the night? I, I don't know. I don't know if I call it a rivalry. I, maybe as a fan, I think so. I don't know how the players view it. But I personally, as a fan, I love that series. Uh, like you said, it's tied up. It's we got a long history, um, and uh, tied up. It's it's 
it's a close series. And, and there's, if you think of some of the games in there, I, you know, I think you think of the helm, the helm alone play. I think of that snowball game. I mean, this is going back quite a ways. 08, 09, I think something like that when they just played in a foot of snow, but um, yeah. And then there's some crazy games that have happened down there in Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Hill is actually, he lost his first four games to, to NAU. Yeah. Um, won the last two, but um, I, I, as a fan, I, I think it's a great series. That's that's the one game that I was looking uh, forward to. I, I'm going to make every effort to attend that as, as a road game this year. I've never been to the Walkout Skydome. I've been to the Skydome for other things, never for football, um, especially Weber State. And and so that was one that I had kind of circled as as maybe a hopeful being able to get to. I don't know if it'll happen or not. Um, I. I don't think we can call it a rivalry, Colby, just because there's not the the vitriol. It doesn't have the history of of the the crushing close defeats. Um, I, the Hale Malone is the one that comes to mind as most recently, but I, I don't think that there we haven't played them with titles on the line. We haven't played them in the playoffs. We haven't. Uh, it, it just doesn't have that panache. The 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 SUU. I, I'm sorry, that's dirty coming out of my mouth. We shouldn't use those letters anymore. Um, but, uh, we, I, I, that's going to be an excellent, excellent game. Um, I think the, the way that that game is going to go is really dependent on the season because it's the last game of the season. You've already, you've already had your, your cupcake game against Idaho state. Um, that one to me is how do the wildcats feel coming into that? Are we gearing up for a playoff run? And you have the excitement, you want to go finish on a high, or is that uh, the end of the slog because we've gone 500 or worse and, and you just want the season to be done? And, and I think depending on how you go into that game, what your record is going into that game will tell you a lot about how that game ends up. Hmm. Totally fair. I mean, a, a good take. And I think you're right, Sean, that it's going to depend heavily on the environment that, that the Wildcats will take into Flagstaff. And kind of um, where they're at in the season because it is the last game of the season and um, it could have big implications or it could not. We'll see. Last, last bit on this, guys, and then we'll move to the roster. Really quickly, record prediction. Sean? You know, I have a history of being a homer on, 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 on this show. Um, I always want the Wildcats to do better than then probably reality would would grant them. Um, I'm looking at this. Um, I'm taking the L in Logan. Um, I'm gonna say we were two and one after the Davis Eastern and Portland series. I'm gonna say we go one and two against the the Montanas and Sac, um, and then we finish with two wins at the end of the season. So. Um, to me, that puts us at seven and four, if my math is correct. Yep, seven and four. Chris? Yeah, I've kind of gone back and forth between seven and eight. The, the fan in me and the optimist wanna, wants to say eight. The, the more the realist wanna, wants to say more like seven. And I've got Western Oregon, Utah Tech, and Idaho State are is pretty sure wins. Um, Eastern, UC Davis, Portland State, Sac State, Mon- Montana, kind of toss-up games. But I think I, I like Weber winning those games. 
Um, the NAU game, I actually kind of initially wrote that down as a loss. That game scares me just because, you know, Jay, they, 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 yeah, <laughs> they kind of have Jay Hill. They, they played Jay Hill well. He, like I said, he's there, only two and, two and four. It's, it's, you know, you play down there at that altitude. And, um, but, you know, I think Sean made the point that that's going to, that's the last game of the season. You know, a playoff spot could be riding on that game. And so that might just change the whole, um, you know, the outlook of the, the team going in there. They might, you know, just be playing for, for a playoff spot. So that could be, that could be a big uh, factor in that game. But that game scares me. You know, Montana State, I put that down as a loss up there in Bozeman. And, and of course, Utah State as a loss. So I, you know, if I'm going to be optimistic, I'll say I'll say eight and three with those losses, NAU, at, at NAU at Montana State and at Utah State. Can I can I add one? And I'm I'm going to get yelled at next time I see Coach Hill. Um, I think seven and four, but we missed the playoffs. Well, that would only be six. <clears throat> yeah, that would be because that would only be six uh, Division One wins. That's where that uh, Western Oregon game might come into yeah. come into play. So, seven and four were the last team out, or the first team out of the playoffs. Meaning, meaning the yeah. the the first cut. You know, you know what I'm saying. Trying to get bracketologies speak in. Yeah, because that's where I'm at, guys. Seven and four is what I think, and um, I think even that's a little bit optimistic. I think eight and three is a little too optimistic. I. I mean, I don't see eight and three. I think seven and four is probably slightly optimistic. You know, six and five, probably if I'm being real, slightly pessimistic. That's probably it. But seven and four, that's where I think, guys. I think I, I could settle on seven and four. Yeah, I'm probably being a little homerish there, going eight, eight and three. But um, I don't know. I, I'm trying to trying to throw last year out of my mind because it was just so it was just so un uncharacteristic of this program the way the to the point that Jay Hill's got it and uh, it, it's hard to you know ignore what happened last season. But Jay Hill before last season had a a, a good strong history of five years of being just you know almost under unbeatable at home and that just changed last year and you know being very very good in conference um so i guess that's the question do we get back to to where we were the the previous five years or or whatever was happening last last year does that hang over to yeah one of my favorite things that coach hill does is he will if you if you watch some of the hype videos and he's in the locker room before the game, he will say, nobody comes in here and takes what we want. This is our house, right? I love that line because that, I think, crystallizes the mentality that Jay Hill has built at Weber State, at Stewart Stadium, that it is a difficult place to play, that if you come there, you had best bring your A game. It was obviously not the case last season. Um, hopefully, back to basics back to Stewart Stadium being the fortress that it has been in the past. So, guys, let's, uh, let's move on and talk a little bit about roster here before we run out of time. Um, I'm going to skip forward a little bit. We've already kind of talked about the offense and the tough schedule. Um, 
I want to talk a little bit about the offense, guys, and I want to talk specifically about the the quarterback room because not only has Coach Mickey Mental come from Notre Dame at D two College, just outside of Cleveland, um, he's come in to install a new offense, um, but he's also the new quarterbacks coach. I mean, the quarterback it feels has been a position where the Wildcats have had potential this year. I mean. We've never really been the school that produces the whiz-bang quarterback the way that Eastern Washington has been. That's not a thing that we do. But um, a serviceable quarterback is something that we normally have. And um, it feels like quarterback play has been lacking in the last two seasons. So now Coach Mental comes in and he installs his new system and is coaching these quarterbacks up um, after doing a pretty good job in the D2 ranks. Right. So what do you guys expect from this quarterback? room going into the season like are we going to see more of the same or do you think there will be change here here's what i want to see i don't know if i can say i expect to see this but this is what i want to see i want to see consistent quarterback play um i think over the past four or five years we've gotten to a point where the quarterback has been let's face it the weak spot of the offense and and we need consistency out of that position now whether it's injury whether it's it's not being able to know the playbook whatever the reason is that we haven't got that consistency we just haven't got it so so consistent quarterback play and healthy quarterback play we've had a ton of injuries where it's been a rotation i think we played four different quarterbacks last year um and so so having a consistent person at that position i don't even care who it is at this point because i in our quarterback room there's three guys that i would love to have as a starter and and not being at at the at at the practices or anything but there were three guys that had flashes of of awesome play last year but we just couldn't get the consistency so if he brings a, a level of consistency to that position then then i think that is a success I don't. I don't think the Wildcats need a world beater. I don't think we need a, a, a number one draft pick. I, I think what what we need is consistency at the quarterback position. And if Coach Mental's uh, scheme does that for us, and and they can stay healthy, and 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 part of that we we meant talked about that earlier is getting getting the ball out quicker. But gosh, I'm that's. I don't know that you're going to bring this up, Colby, but my my biggest fear right now is offensive line play. It's totally a proven fact that the more starts you have together as an offensive line, the better your offense will be. That's that's, that's proven throughout college football history and even pro football history. The the amount of starts together as a unit that the offensive line have is a, is a strong predictor of success. I'm worried because we've got injuries. They, I think I read that they moved Noah Tagi over. We lost our center, so they're moving Noah Tagi over to center. Um, and and we've, we've got some uh, – or Ethan Atagi, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah the, the, one Atagi, they're, they're interchangeable, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Love the Atagis. Sorry, Noah. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Snow College transfer. Yeah. The fellow Royal Cormac Boyer ended up suffering an injury, <laughs> and so they had to move him over, right? Like they had to yeah. they had planned for him to take over for Ben Bose, but now they can't because he had gotten injured in camp, so making adjustments. Yeah. So so that's that's the worry to me about this offense is we need the consistent quarterback play, but consistent quarterback play comes from consistent offensive line play. And and I'm worried about the holes and the and the in uh experience of the offensive line as a unit. Uh, to be able to protect the quarterback and those go hand in hand together. 
I hope that made sense. Chris, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with, with Sean on, on consistency. That's been an issue at that quarterback spot for, for a few seasons now. And part of, but part of that has to do with, with the, uh, the injuries. It's hard to be consistent when you're, you know, have, when you're playing a game or two, getting injured, missing a game or two, you know. So that's part of it. Um, I, you've got Barron, probably the likely starter. I think uh, he's shown flashes that it's there that he can uh, he can be that guy. Um, but again, it's been the consistently consistency more than with anybody. It's been with with uh, with Baron the consistency. So um, maybe this new offense with the uh, the quicker you know the quicker release on the football. You know maybe that'll help limit the injuries. I don't know. Um, you have a Kylan Weiser, who I think we can win with as well. Same. He seems to be a little, a little yeah, he, he seems to have a little, uh, from, you know, what we've seen, he, he, has, he has a little bit better mobility than Barron, I think. And uh, he, you know, he, he came in when Barron got injured there in that uh, uh, Utah Tech game last year, and, and he had some good games. You know, I, I was able to be down there in Cal, Cal Poly, and he he was actually playing very good, very good. And then he got hurt. So again, I you know I agree. Going back with to Sean, it's a consistency. Um, hopefully, this new offense is better suited for the quarterbacks we have. I guess. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Sean. A factor to watch for, like you said. Um, this last season, the Wildcats were 10 of 13 in the conference when it came to sacks given up. So offensive play was a struggle. Offensive line play was a struggle last season. Injuries and other things were a contributing factor. And now injury has already, you know, propped up in fall camp. So we'll see what Coach Brent Myers can do with this group and shuffling them around. And we can get that unit to be cohesive early enough that they can have some success. I think that Western Oregon being uh, being an early opponent um, helps. Uh, there will be a tough challenge against an FBS opponent in Utah State, uh, but then you get to face Utah Tech. And so there are some good opportunities to kind of build some momentum. That's what I think I like about the schedule. I didn't mention this earlier, is the fact that the schedule kind of builds up, right? Builds up to those three weeks that we talked about against Montana State, Montana, and Sac State where that will be the gauntlet. And then after that, there's a little bit of reprieve in Idaho State and then the NAU game. And so I'm hoping that that ramp up will also benefit the offensive line, that they're able to get healthy, that they're able to work as a unit, and that, you know, that helps with the quarterback. Well, and, and let me add one other, one other thing. I, I hope that we're getting good decision-making out of the quarterback, um, that, that we get guys that are, that are looking to not react and not think. I think that's been part of the problem over the last couple of years is, is they're thinking too much at the line of scrimmage and at the, as the play is developing, right? And it's not just a react. So using the, the running back, well, we, we got studs at the specialty positions, the studs at the, in the running back room, studs at the wide receiver room. It, it's can we get the ball to the playmakers and, and let them let them let them do what they're supposed to do, what they're on scholarship to do. That's that's the key is can we get the ball where it needs to be? Um, and it all works together. Again, my, my point being is that, that you need 11 guys uh, all on the same page. But but just getting some level of consistency out of that quarterback play and and the Wildcats will be tough to beat if, if that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd agree. 
say playmakers. That's been another struggle. Yeah, agreed, right? Um, one thing I was going to say was that um, while we've talked a lot about quarterback play, um, one thing to keep in mind is this, looking at you know last season offensive leaders, Wildcats were ninth in the conference with 2,300 yards. Right? Obviously, they were more than doubled by a team like Eastern Washington. Tech State actually had a lot. They had 3,500 yards. But down here at 12 in the conference with only 2,700 yards was Montana State. Montana State played in the national championship. You can get things done outside of, of throwing the ball, and they did that, you know, with Isaiah Fonse, right? And so talked about the running back room, how it's going to be a position of strength for the Wildcats. And get it done. You don't have to throw the ball all the time. No, I, I, uh, I, I've, maybe you've heard me say this, but I've said this to some people that, I think this is going to be the year of the run in the big sky. You lost uh, some, some real high caliber quarterbacks last year out of uh, Barrier and uh, Alexander. There's not a whole lot coming back in the quarterback at the quarterback position, but there's some, a lot of, a lot of dudes coming back that can run the ball. Um, if Fonze, you said, although there's some question about his health, there is. so he, he's probably going to miss some games to start the season. You got Kevin Daniels down there in uh, northern Arizona, Gilliam, and then you have the uh, the kid over that transferred over from Sac State. Um, my name, his name escapes him. He's over in northern Colorado now. He's had some big play, uh, some big years in the past. He didn't play last year, but um, you're, I, I think you're right, Kobe. And then you, you, you look at what Weber has. You know, they have five running backs that could start on probably just about any team in the conference. So, um, no, I agree. Running is going to be big in the conference this year, I think, and in, in including up at Weber. Elijah Dotson. Is Dotson, there you go. Yeah. With the assist there. Gabby, you're supposed to be on the show, man. What are you doing in the comments? Get on the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, guys, I mean... We are running out of time, but one, I don't want to just focus on, you know, the concerns with quarterback and the offensive line. I do want to talk a little bit about bright spots. So really, really quickly, I want to talk about the tight end core because like I said earlier, that 2017 team that really had success at the, at the, the tight end position, the, that, that tight end position was a pressure valve. It was a pressure release when there wasn't something there. Drew Batchelor or, you know, Andrew Vollett were there to, you know, dump off passes and get something done in the middle of the field. It's a position of strength this year. There, there, there are a number of guys, you know, Justin Malone is back senior season. Rasmussen, like there, there are some, there are some really, really good, good guys who can take that pressure off of the wideouts and hopefully off the quarterback. And so I want to get your guys thoughts on the tight ends. Are you as optimistic about that position group as I am, or am I up in the night? No, I, I think right behind the running backs, that's, that's your strength on offense. Um, I love what they have coming back at that, that spot. That's going to be a tool that, that this new offense can, can utilize, um, especially because, uh, you know, the wide receiving group is, is young. Uh, you got T-Mac. Other than T-Mac coming back, you don't have a, anybody that's, that's, that's caught a lot of balls yeah. in that wide receiver group. So they're going to – I think uh, that tight end group is going to be big. Um, 
Justin Malone coming back, that's that's big because, you know, he's graduated. He's been here, what, five years? And I, I have a conversation with his uh, with his father out in the tailgate lot, and and there was – he didn't know whether he wanted to come back or not because he, he's finished his school basically, but but he's come back. So that's good to see. Um, Dave uh, Hayden Meekham, you know, he's he was an all-conference tight end last year. Um, you have some some big height, Davis Davis Rasmussen. He's a six eight. You got some ball players there in that tight end spot. I agree with you. Yeah. Here, here's my take on on this, and that is is this: it's um, tight ends. You you can have the stud tight ends, but you got to call their number, right? Um, you you've got to use them for more than just blockers to to establish the run. So if if you've got a tight end and then they're getting some touches, I, I think I'll be excited because we've got some studs at that in that room. But it, it all comes down as who's getting them the ball and are they getting the ball in space? Um, tight ends can be unstoppable. They can be they can be a a huge thing in in any offense in football. But you just got to use them, and that's the problem is coaches don't use them. So. So to me, the how t- the tight ends will go as far as uh, Coach Mental will call plays for him. Yeah, or you know, with the quarterbacks finding them in space. Exactly. All right, guys. Um, a little bit over time, but really quickly, I wanted to go to uh, a little game that we're going to play here called "Got Me Like Whoa." So I don't know if you guys noticed this uh, over the weekend. The UFC was in Salt Lake City, and um, there's a particular meme that's kind of out there from that fight that uh, we put on social media today. We wanted to ask Wildcat fans what recent Weber State play or any play, what Weber State play has got you making this face, got you like, whoa. And so uh, we've gotten a few, but I was like, you know what? Let's, uh, let's give our panel an opportunity to uh, tell us what they think. And so I want to start with. Let's start with you, Chris. I mean, you you sort of sounded off already on social media today, but I wanted to give you a chance in case you had another play that you wanted to shout out that had you like, whoa. Yeah, I think, that, well, the obvious one probably what comes to a lot of people's minds because it was so spectacular, but also because it was so recent was the, the hell Malone. Yeah. Um, but it, the one that I mentioned was uh, that hook and ladder play to, to um, eat, or, uh, Noah Atagi. That was just... You know, whenever you got a lineman getting a ball and scoring a touchdown like that, it's it's the woe is kind of from the it's unexpected, right? That doesn't happen very often, and it was just it's always awesome and fun to see a big lineman get 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 the touchdown. So that that was one that was the play that I mentioned. Yeah, John, I love me some fat guy TDs. Yeah, those are yeah. the best fat TDs, man. Yeah. Um, I those were the two that immediately came to my mind. So because Chris is the newcomer, we, we let you have the easy answer. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say take your pick out of any of the 10 fake pump plays that Jay Hill runs. And uh, when they succeed, any kind of a fake pump that succeeds, because you when they when he was first calling those uh, sitting in the stands, you're just like, whoa, did we just did we just see that? Right. Um the other ones that, uh, and, and this is going to be, uh, Colby, you're going to yell at me when I say this. So I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. Any Rashid Shahid touchdown on a kickoff that did not have a flag. Because 
I saw the FCS uh, Twitter feed put out something about, you know, they were saying number seven because he tied the record for, for uh, kickoff returns for, for touchdowns. And the first thought that went through my head is there should have been at least four more that were called back. And then the one in San Diego is the really egregious one because there was no hold on that, on that play. And, and that's the FBS win that, that should have been. Um, but that was in his I, hometown too. Yeah. 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 They, the refs did him dirty on that one, but, <laughs> but that's, but anything, anytime speed went to the house without a flag, you, you went uh, 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 there, but the fake punts and, and those, those are the ones that make me go. Wow. Um, and, and the one, uh, I believe he ran one back against Utah at, at Rice Eccles when I was, uh, right. uh, I was at that game and, and, uh, I was sitting in a, I had some, some sweet seats, let's just put it that way. And, uh, and, uh, all the Utah fans are around me were like, who's that guy? And I'm like, oh yeah, he, he just tied the record. And you didn't have to deal with the, with the rain up there. No, I, I was indoors <laughs> for that one, Chris. And the thunder and lightning. That was, that was quite the delay. We're we're gonna miss she. That's for sure. Because you you could you could you gotta you could list ten ten plays from she that there are those kind of woe plays for sure. Yeah, guys. For me, really quickly, um, the play that had me like whoa uh, because it was so massive to the game, and it was such a momentum shift. Was 2018 playing Kennesaw State in the playoffs and. Second half, they've been just killing us on the edge. They're getting the, the triple option is it's working by and large. You know, they're getting these chunks of yards on the edge. It's annoying, but it's working. Jay Hill, the master of making adjustments, comes back out in the second half. They fumble and we scoop and score. That changed the whole game. And that, that touchdown was the difference in winning that game. And then later that day, we go over to the D event center and we get an opportunity to put in-state, uh, I guess, in-state rival BYU down in, in the Purple Palace as well. But that scoop and score was the play that I was going to say because that had me like, whoa, because when it happened, it was just like big and electric at Stewart Stadium because it was just a momentum shifting play that changed the game. It was a great day to be a Wildcat that day. I call it the greatest day to be a Wildcat because, man, it was <laughs> it was awesome. It was such a fun day. All right, but, uh, all right, guys, let's let's do some upcoming events. Um, we're going to take a look at the schedule. So Thursday, Wildcats going to be taking on Western Oregon under the lights of Stewart Stadium, uh, six p.m. Uh, out there. It'll be Thursday, September first. That that's a week from Thursday. You, you still got another week there, friend. Yeah. So. Um, that game, I mean, you He's should anxious. go to it. Yeah, you should just go. Um, but also, <laughs> oh, yeah. go, go. If you're like me, you're going to have to watch it on ESPN Plus uh, if you're out of, out of market. So, um, but yeah, try and get down there. It'll be a fun game. It'll be good to see Wildcat football back at Stewart Stadium. Uh, then the following week, the Wildcats will take the trip up to Utah State um, to play the Aggies in Logan. Um, that game will start at 5 p.m. I didn't find any TV information about that. Um, just go, go to the game and show up and, you know, be loud. I think that that's a, a recurring theme. It's the mountain worst. It'll be on Facebook. <laughs> if it's the mountain, it's the mountain worst. And so I guess it'll be on Facebook, <laughs> but just go up there. She go, go up there and, and rep the Wildcats. Go up there. A thing that we want to kind of, you know, continually beat on this season is show up for the Wildcats, man, because 
it's a it's a golden age right now on campus. I know that the football season didn't end the way we wanted. Volleyball season didn't end the way we wanted, even though we were this close. I mean, we had one of the greatest softball runs ever. Soccer was in the in the conference championship last year. Like, there's it's a good time to go. So encourage yourself and your family members to get out there, buy tickets, show up for the Wildcats. Because when people get there and they get loud, it creates an atmosphere. And man, when you got an atmosphere, people want to show up. It's fun. Uh, then after the Utah State game, September 17th, back at home against Utah Tech. Finally, get to play these guys in Stewart Stadium. Uh, that game will be at 6 p.m. Stewart Stadium or ESPN+. Plus. All these home games. So if, it, if the kickoff is at 6, start tailgating at least at 4 o'clock, if not earlier. And then my oh, birthday. Oh, come on, 4 a.m., maybe. <laughs> uh, then Saturday, September 24th, the Wildcats will take the trip to uh, Davis and um, will seek redemption after the way things ended last year. That game will be at 8 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. They'll probably do some kind of watch party on Twitter, just do it with the spaces and talk about the game as we all watch it on ESPN+. Plus. But um, yeah, it'll be a big one. I think that'll set the tone as we get into the schedule. Well, that's it, guys. That's the show we have for, for today. We'll wrap it up. Email weberstateweekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, like we said at the top. And then the blog, I'm going to be doing a, a better job with the blog this year, guys. Sorry, in season two, it was a one-man show trying to run the blog, and I didn't have enough time. So we're going to try and do a little bit better here this year. So we'll wrap it up, guys. Fans said they didn't like the great, 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 and I was like, man, what? They said it was cheesy. I don't know, guys. I want to still do it. You guys want to do it? It's up to you, Kobe. It's your show. <laughs> hey, man. I want to do it still because I think it's fun. And so if you guys hate it, that's just you're just a fun. You're just a hater. So I'll say it. We'll wrap it up like we usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. Great, great, great. Great. Go Wildcats. The new guy messed have it up. We have a rookie. It's, it's obvious. <laughs> I don't think we've ever got it right once. That's that's the deal. Oh!